This is the Word of God from the household of David Church. It is a message designed to raise men after God's own heart. Listen and be blessed. again tonight. Hallelujah. Our Father and our King, we give you praise, we give you glory. We thank you for your spirit that is within us and your presence that is amongst us. Father, we ask that tonight as we hear your voice, your word that all flesh be silent and your voice alone be heard. In Jesus' name we have prayed. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Thank you, choir. Let's celebrate the choir. Amen. Just look at the person beside you and say, welcome to church. Amen. Before I start tonight, I'd like to thank our senior pastors, Pastor Shola and Pastor Abigail, on whose behalf I have the privilege of sharing God's word with you tonight. I love you so much, Sarah and man. I celebrate you. Let's celebrate them with a resounding ovation. Yes. Pastor Shola sends his love, but of course he is ably represented in our beloved Pastor Abigail. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So tonight I'll be sharing with us on a subject I have titled, Do Not Be Afraid. Can you look at the person beside you and say, neighbor? Say, oh neighbor, do not be afraid. Let's remain standing for the reading of the word. If we have our Bibles, let us lift it up. If we do not, let us look at the projections. Romans chapter 8, we'll be reading from verses 15 up until 21. Are we there? Church, are we there? Okay. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For, let's read 19 together. For the earnest expectation of the creature waited for the manifestation of the sons of God. How many sons of God are here tonight? Hallelujah. For the creature was made subject not to, to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who had subjected the same in hope. Because the creature also itself shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Amen. We may be seated. Hallelujah. So, our opening verse tells us that the spirit that we have received on the inside of us, if we remember last week, Pastor Shola talked about the spirit within and the spirit upon. And then this scripture says that the spirit that is within us is not a spirit that makes us to be afraid. 
is not a spirit of fear, but it is a spirit of sonship by which we cry, Abba, Father. Now, Abba is an Aramic word that is used by Paul and our Lord Jesus Christ to show intimacy in relationship. It's kind of like what we'll say today when we say Daddy. It shows that level of um, closeness. Mark 14, 36 actually tells us that Jesus uses this word when he was in the garden. And he said, Abba, Father, you know, he said, if it is your will, let this cup pass over me. But he ends it with not my will, but what? Bible scholars, not my will, but not my will, but thine. So if we look at it, why is it that a scripture that talks about sonship is addressing fear? I want to believe that one of the reasons is because if we look at calling somebody a son, somebody who is not your biological child, it connotes um, a level of relationship that is beyond the ordinary. I can say this is a young man that I know, but if I choose to call him my son, it means that I have brought him into a level of relationship that is more than the ordinary. So it connotes acceptance. And the opposite of acceptance is what? Is rejection. So we are accepted in the beloved, like it says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6. And because we are accepted, we do not have any reason to be afraid. Amen. Are we together? So look at your neighbor and say, do not fear. Say it again. Say, do not fear. It might interest us to know that in the Bible, one of the most frequently used phrases, in fact, apart from praise ye the Lord in Psalms, is do not fear. Don't be afraid. Be of good courage. And why is this so? It's because in life there are so many situations, there are so many circumstances, there are so many arrangements that can make one to be afraid. There are all kinds of fears. You know, there are all kinds of phobias. In fact, I heard some things, some kind of phobias, and I'm like, for real? You know, they have a phobia for any, almost anything. Heights, cockroaches, insects, there is a specific word for it. It's that amazing. So it's like you're given the liberty to choose your own fear. You know, but the Bible says, do not fear. But in reality, we have more pressing kinds of fears. People are afraid of lack. People are afraid, will I be able to pay the bills? People are afraid, what would happen when I'm old? What would happen when I retire? People are afraid, will I end up alone? People are afraid of rejection. People are afraid of so, so many things. But the Bible tells us that fear has torment. If we look at it, Adam said to God, I heard your voice and I hid. Because what? Because I was afraid. We know that perfect love in Christ casts out all fear. There are all kinds of fears. I don't know what Adam exactly was afraid of. It could be the fear of being found out, the the fear of what would God do because he had been so disappointed in me in spite of everything he gave me and all that he entrusted me with. Now, the kind of fear that the kind of torment that fear has is, you know, is very peculiar because it's like right now you're already in anxiety, you're in trepidation of a future event that has not even happened. But you're thinking that, okay, the consequences are going to be negative. So you're already feeling the impact. That is a torment of fear. That is real torment. And fear is not your portion in Jesus' name. So instead of being afraid, what do we do? We run to God. Because in reality, there is nowhere else to run to. Psalms 34 verse 4. Can we have that 
projected, Psalms 34.4. Okay. Okay, well, what it says, David was saying there that, you know, I sought the Lord and I was delivered. Okay, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. So a sure way of finding deliverance is seeking God. It means that instead of being afraid, we take out time to actually find out what does God say? What exactly is God's position on this matter? And then because we know, we have it settled that he loves us and he's for us. It casts away fear because God has not given us the spirit of fear, but what? Of power, of love, and a sound mind. So his love makes us brave and he gives us the kind of courage that we need not to compromise our faith. Now let's look at this um, dimension I want to explore together. First John 5.19. First John 5.19. First John 5.19. Okay. Um, so he says that, so we know that we are of God, but the whole world lies in wickedness or in darkness, because we know that the devil is the God of this world, and when we talk about wickedness, we also talk about darkness, because Proverbs 4.14 says that's what, the way of the wicked is as darkness. They do not know at what they stumble. In fact, most times in the natural, people are afraid when it is what? When it's dark, when you're alone, when, I mean, there's just something and you don't know what it is, that is fear. And like Pastor told us, fear is not just a feeling, but fear is an actual spirit. Amen. And if you see that, in fact, David was in the spirit when he said that. He said, I sought God and he what? He gave me deliverance, as in he delivered me, deliverance from fear, because fear is a spirit. Now, I particularly um, pay attention to my interactions with children. Why? Because Jesus said, except you be converted and become like a little child, you know, you would not be able to enter his kingdom. So you would um, permit me to give one or two illustrations because I have a couple of them. So when my kids were much younger, whenever they wanted to go somewhere and uh, maybe it was dark, they would always be like, mommy, I'm afraid. Mommy, I'm scared. I, I don't want to. I, can someone go with me and all of that? And I would almost always say, I mean, I'll say, you cannot be afraid because you have the light of God inside of you. Whenever morning, afternoon, noon or night, I'll say, you cannot be afraid of the dark because you have the light of God inside of you. So there was a certain day we were at home and um, one of my children wanted to play with a device and so she brought it to me to turn it on, and I couldn't turn it on because the battery was down, and then there was no light, like we say, power supply. And so she said, can I play with it? I said, no, it's, it needs to be charged. And she said, okay, can you charge it? I said, no, because there's no light. So she kept quiet, and after like 30 seconds, she came back to me and said, mommy, are you afraid of the dark? I said, no, I'm not afraid of the dark because I have the light of God inside of me. So she says, good, so charge it. I mean, I, I laughed at that time, but I, I went back to think about it and I said, okay. I said, no, no, no. The light of God is not for this kind of thing. The light of God is for something much more serious. You know, so of course she couldn't grasp what I was saying at that time, but sometimes... As Christians, we need to understand exactly why we have the light of God inside of us. If we look at 
verse 19. Let's look at it again. That's Romans 8, 19. Okay, let me read it. For the earnest expectation of the creature waited for the manifestation of the sons of God. The manifestations of the sons of God. So since this is not... The light of God inside of us is not for charging our dead phones or dead iPads. What exactly is the light of God for? It's so that you would manifest. So that you would shine. So that you would show the way. So that in your light, just as in the light of Christ we see light, in your light people will come to the light of God. Hallelujah. So that kings will come to your light. So that Gentiles will come to your light and their kings what? To the brightness of your rising. Hallelujah. Because the entire creature, creature is groaning in darkness, subject to decay, waiting for your manifestation. Can you look at the person beside you and say, I will manifest. I will manifest the glory of the Lord. Now, when I was growing up, whenever somebody was misbehaving and you asked my sister what was happening, she said, oh, my name is manifesting. Not that kind of manifestation. We're talking of manifestation of the sons of God. The kind of manifestation that he talks about in, I think, 1 Peter 2.9, that he says that he has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light so that we might what? Show forth his praises. God bless you. Amen. Those are the people that go to Sunday school. And that's why you must be here on Saturday by 8 a.m. for Sunday school. Amen. So people that go to Sunday school know the scripture so that we might show forth his praises. So might we, we might show forth a counterculture. It's a kingdom culture. It's a different way of doing things. It is a system that is above the system of this world. It is a kind of life that we decrease so that he increases until there is none of us and all of him. Hallelujah. So this is the kind of life that God has called us to live. I mean, a lot of times we say that I shall not die, but what? But leave. Is that where the scripture ends? And declare the works of the Lord. But you know, a lot of times we end with I shall not die, but leave, you know, and the, what our scripture means is that if you are alive, the license for your remaining alive is what? Is declaring the works of the Lord. So you need to ask yourself, what works of the Lord am I declaring? What works of the Lord am I declaring? Because that is the reason I am still alive. And that ability is on the inside of you because you are a child of God. Because his life and his light is inside of you. And you cannot do this if you are afraid, if you are unsure, if you are insecure. If you do not know the things that God has so freely given unto you. Hallelujah. So you are here to declare the works of the Lord in the land of the living. You are here to enforce the kingdom of God. Until the kingdoms of this world become the kingdom of our God and what? And of is Christ. And what is the kingdom of God? It is righteousness. It is what? It is peace and it is what? Joy in the Holy Ghost. Can I hear a shout of joy in the house tonight? Joy in the Holy Ghost. And we remember that our faith in Christ Jesus works through love. So what does that mean? It means that the, the, the battery, the battery power, the, the electricity, everything that we need for our faith to work is what? Is the love of God. Hallelujah. So the love of God gives us the strength for our faith to find expression. You know, without faith, we cannot have 
godly courage. There was something Pastor said recently when he was preaching, and um, he was talking about strength in what? It's in our inner man. Can we give her a round of applause? Clap for her because she didn't know it. Please clap. <laughs> Yes, he was talking about strength in our inner man. Because if we do not have strength in our inner man, I, I call it spiritual courage. We cannot consistently be a Christian. We cannot consistently practice any of the other virtues. Because at times we need to stand alone. At times we need to stand against the tide. At times we need to just be the one person that is staying there and saying, no, this is what God stays and this is where I will be. Hallelujah. So do we have that courage? Do we dare to stand alone? Do we, do we stay where God stays? Or do we say, oh, well, I don't know. I don't want to be the only one. I don't want to. I'm not talking about trying to front. We're not fronting. We're not pretending. We're not having a look of having it all together. When in truth, I mean, we are falling apart. But what we are saying is that we are strengthened in our inner man. Because first of all, we know who we are in Christ. We know that God loves us. We know that he is for us. And the Bible says that if God be for us, who can be against us? I mean, if the almighty God says, I am for you. If the almighty God says, go out there, I'm right behind you. Then why would you be afraid? Why would you be unsure? Why would you think that when, you, when the chips are down, he will let you down? He's not like that. Do you understand? Tell the person beside you, God is not like that. He's not like that. I mean, he's not man that he should lie. And he's not the son of man that... He should repent. Some of us have a kind of uncanny suspicion of what God is, who he is, and what he does. And we feel that, oh, maybe, you know, God would always, always just want us and require us to do something awful. <laughs> I remember the first time I heard the song, um, um, I know go wait until you do me something. Oh, Lord, I am ready to sing your praise. And I couldn't for the life of me imagine why everybody was dancing. Because what I thought I was hearing was, I know go wait until you do me strong thing. So I was like, ah, what kind of song is this? And, you know, to me it was like, ah, I better sing your praise oh, before you deal with me. So I really disliked that song so much, like, Ah, no, 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 we shouldn't be singing this song until I went to a church and I now saw <laughs> I said, okay. You know, and I was like, God, forgive me because, I mean, the way I'd been looking at everybody singing song that so you're suspecting God, that he wants to do you a strong thing. But, you know, we might not say it. We might not say it because the Bible says a fool is somebody that what? Says in his heart that there is no God. There are very few people, although nowadays some people find the courage to actually say that look, okay, there's no God, he doesn't really exist, if he did one or two things. But I think those people are still in a position where they can be helped because the most worrisome people are the people who say with their mouths that look, God exists, God is all-powerful, God can move mountains. But in their hearts, they are looking for solution. And that solution, I'm telling you, is nowhere, as in nowhere near the Christ nowhere near the Christ because you find people who um, people supposedly of faith but actually these are people who in their forms when they say religion they take Christianity and I think that is the closest they have come to knowing and meeting the person of the Christ 
because when they are faced with intense life situations like the kind of things we mentioned and you know some other things the list is almost inexhaustive you find that the options that they are considering are nothing near what is contained in the word of god so you have to now ask and wonder in your heart do you really believe that there is god do you believe that god is everything that he says he is do you believe that indeed he's the almighty, that he's all powerful? Do you believe when the most powerful person in the universe says, I love you? What more could you ask for? Think about it. Because just like, I know a lot of sermons have come on that, but yes, it's a play on words, but it doesn't deny the reality. When the angel came to Mary and she said, how will these things be? Seeing I know no man. You know, that wasn't the context in which she said those words, but nevertheless, it holds true. You know, we think about things, we're like, ah, if only, if only, ah, had it been, you know, had it been, but had it been what? Had it been what, really? Because God made you and he loves you. Look at the person beside you and say, God loves me. God loves me. God cares about me. So like we said, we're talking about having spiritual courage. Spiritual courage gives us the stamina, spiritual stamina that we need to swim against the tide, to stand alone if need be, to bear things that we would ordinarily not even think of bearing. Just like Pastor was talking about when he spoke about Paul, who was ready to undergo all those discomforts that he did not need to, but because he knew first of all that, look, God loves me. God is for me. God is with me right here and now. And if somebody is going to be saved, it doesn't matter what I need to go through. Hallelujah. <coughs> so Paul's love for the unsaved gave him the confidence and the courage he needed to go through everything that he went through. So, and even to forgo his so-called Roman rights. Because really, as Christians, our declaration of independence is a declaration of total dependence on God. That's our independence. That's our freedom. Hallelujah. So before I close, I'd like to share another story. Um, like a short while before I got married, I think my, my nephew and my nieces had come over to the house. I had just bought a laptop for the very first time in my life. So I was like, wow, okay, what a device. So I was going through it. And then on the laptop, there was this game, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? So I had played it so many times. By reason of practice, I knew most of the answers, not really by reason of vast knowledge or intense study in that sense. Um, so they came and they were playing. There were four of them, three of my nieces and my nephew. So they were in a team of two. So as they're playing it, team A would play. And you know, when they wanted to just say, if I were you, I won't choose the answer. So, but my nephew was watching and he noticed that everything that I was saying was kind of correct. So when his sister wanted to choose another answer, he said, wait, wait, Auntie Maureen, win for us. So I looked at it and I was like, okay, now you're talking. But God in his infinite love and mercy made it so that their parents did not go home. I mean, their parents went home rather just at the point I had exhausted. You know, you play the game to an extent, but after that, <laughs> you're on your own. But when their parents said, let's go home, that was when <laughs> my wealth of wisdom in that game had ended. So 
at the end of the day, I ended up leading. And, you know, they were like shouting, hey, 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 and everything. And they were rejoicing. And, you know, my other ones were like, ah, no, it's not fair. How can she play? You know, she's all that. I said, really, I'm all that. It is well. You know, but what he said struck me because he said, Auntie Maureen, win for us. He did not say, like, help us choose this. But he was like, you know, we're, we're not even playing this game anymore. We're tired. We're hands enough. Now you are our team. Anything you do is what we have done. Any score you get is what we have gotten. And then when I won, they started jumping and dancing. And they said, what? We won. But do you know that Jesus Christ has won for you? He has won for you. When he had the victory, he said, this is your victory. When he wore the crown, the victor's crown, this is your crown. It is in him that you live and move and have your being. So when he says you have overcome, it is because he has overcome. And if indeed you reckon yourself to be in Christ, you know that there is no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. And because Jesus Christ overcame, in him what? You have overcome. You have won. This is who you are. This is who you are. You cannot be afraid because he made a show of principalities and powers, triumphing over them in it. So when the devil comes to you, you say, I was in Jesus when he did all that. And then when he had you under his feet, you are here under my feet because when he won, he won for me. You cannot tell me otherwise. Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified. What? With Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Hallelujah. So this is who you are. You are in Christ Jesus. And greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So you cannot be afraid. You cannot be afraid. Look at the person beside you and say, I will not fear. I have overcome the world in Christ Jesus. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I, ha I am a victor. I am victorious. I have overcome. Rise on your feet tonight. Hallelujah. You are strengthened in your inner man to live the Zoe, the God kind of life. The life of victory, the life that says that all that God is, that is who you are. I don't know if there's anything you are struggling with in your life over the next few minutes. I want you to just lift up your voices and begin to speak to the Lord and say, Father, I thank you because in you I have overcome the world. I thank you because really no weapon that is formed against me shall prosper. I thank you because it is because you are my God that I cannot be afraid. Because you are my Father, I know that that I shall not fear. I know that I shall not want. You are my shepherd. If we look at the word shall, it speaks of a certainty. It says that though a thousand fall at my side and ten thousand at my right hand, I shall not fear. I shall not be afraid of the terror by night. I shall not be afraid of the arrow that flies by day. If you have been afraid in any way, lift up your voices and speak to the one who loves you, to the one who gave himself for you. Because in Christ Jesus, Jesus, you have overcome. Hallelujah. Our God is almighty. Lift up your voices and talk to him tonight. Speak to him. Speak to him. Speak to him. He is the almighty. He is your healer. He is your deliverer. He is your Lord and he is your God. He is your very present help in trouble. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah. There's a song that says that hallelujah, you have overcome. Hallelujah, you have overcome. Jesus, you have overcome the world. Thank you. So we're going to sing the world song, Jesus, you have overcome the world. And the next time we're going to sing it, we're going to say, in Jesus, we have overcome the world. In fact, make it personal. Say, in Jesus, I have overcome the world. And at the back of your mind, have that situation and circumstance and say, I have overcome. opportunity to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. You know, um, after listening to God's word like this and you have never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, it's an opportunity to come to him and it's a simple process because he has made all things available. I want to employ you now to give your heart to Christ and by saying these words, because giving your heart to Christ must be done consciously, he has paid the price. Say after me, say, Lord Jesus, I come to you. I believe that you died for me and that you rose again. I believe that you shed your blood for my justification. I accept your finished work right now and I confess that you are the Lord of my life. I believe in you. Thank you, Jesus. If you have said those words, you are actually born again, a new creation in Christ. Join us for more of this. God bless you.